0: In the following live session recording, Brent Baskin, Associate Professor of Christian Studies with Shorter University in Rome, Georgia, talks about partnering with parents. The family arrives on Sunday morning together. They then move to different locations of the church for Bible study and worship. And after the closing prayer, they reconvene in the parking lot. Our physical disconnectedness is resulting in a spiritual disconnectedness. The listener will hear about how the church can help the family stay spiritually connected and a discussion on some principles and strategies for partnering with parents so the ministry we provide for students does not end when they leave the church property. Let's join Brent now.
1: Uh, it's good to hang out with you guys for a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about partnering with parents. I know that in my ministry background, uh, even 10 years ago, probably a little bit before that, most of my thought process was okay they'll come to the church we'll engage it at the church we'll figure it out at the church and then they can go home everything was built around the church well times have changed um, we've, we've got to adjust and so there's a lot of good churches out there that are adjusting to that the research is going to indicate that um, even in our, our, some of our preliminary conversations before um, we're beginning our discussion are starting to talk about partnerships outside of church um you know the church partnering with schools and ministering to schools and going out and reaching so my goal is is to walk us through kind of what the research is telling us um towards some practical application um in the process so a couple of preliminary things one interrupt me anytime you want you got a question just stop me Um, and then, if you want to if you need you need something hopefully we'll, I, my plan is to be done um, well before our time slot is over, so that you can say, hey, that I came in for a specific reason, and you haven 't covered that yet so here 's what I need you to talk about, and i 'll be happy to uh, figure out where we 'll collaborate together so uh, but I was thinking about that idea of church and the parking lot and realizing uh, that ministry par- partnering with parents is not going to be about just them driving in on the minivan and fighting the whole way there, right? And So they, they're fighting the whole way there. They get in the parking lot. They all put on their smiling faces. Smile, act like, you're like you you want to be here. Uh, and then they all hop out of the minivan, and then the children's children goes to the children's wing, the student, teenager goes to the teenage wing, and then the parents go, and it may be the man goes to the man's class and the wife goes to the woman's class. It may be completely separate. Then the children go to the children's worship service. The youth may go to the youth section of the sanctuary where they all sit together, or they may have their own worship service. And the parents sit in church together, and then they come back to the minivan uh, at 12 o'clock. And then at dinner, they go, how was church? And the kid goes, fine. And then that kind of ends the conversation about spiritual life uh, until next Sunday. Uh, We as equippers have got to do more than that. Uh, We need to be responsible for more than that. Uh, Scripture is dictating that to us so as i was thinking about that uh i was thinking about the chaos that could be um parent ministry and what does it look like do we throw it in or does it come alongside what does it look like this is the number three most confusing dangerous uh um intersection according to what is a website called uh streets blog bingo so yep this is uh, Albercorn Street in White Bluff. Yeah. Yep, you got it. So I can't wait till I get to Statesboro next week. They're going to jump all over this too. So yeah. uh, this was number three, uh, which is fun. So uh, man, if I get in your way, just say move. I'm getting away. I'll, I'll walk over here for a little while. Uh, so this is number three. But this could be an idea for parenting ministry where we could kind of turn left, or we could turn right, or we could go up, or we could go down. Um, onboarding, offboarding, that's kind of what our church ministries do. It creates chaos. It also mentioned the idea that there's no crosswalks here, so there's not a lot of safety for someone just trying to enter casually
0: into the conversation. And I have driven that road about 5,000 times. People are across the road all day long.
1: Yeah, there's no yeah, it's just, it's chaos. I saw a similar intersection like this in uh, Mount Juliet, and I was like, oh, that's Mount Juliet, and it's like, nope, that's Savannah. It's like, boom. Okay, so we could talk about that, or we could talk about interstates. Uh, interstate system's been around for a while, but if you think about the interstate, it's got a smooth entrance, high speed, very efficient. Um, sometimes we get traffic, but most of the time, like when I came here this morning, praise God, Atlanta was wide open. It was, I didn't have any issues through the corridor, coming down from north to south. It's quick, it, but it's straight. You'll notice it's got long, straight stretches. There's an intentional purpose behind that but there's, but it's just, it's about efficiency and, and moving people quickly through a process. So my hope is, as we talk about partnering with parents, um, some of this is going to be a programming or vision decision that the church is going to have to make. Being intentional to go, we are going to partner with parents and we're going to have to be fast about it. Smooth with it. Not by fast meaning speed, but just efficiency of process. As opposed to the other, which is, oh, let's let's throw something in here and call it parent ministry. Let's let's, let's just drop it right here and call it parent ministry. That's not really partnering. So my hope is we can talk through that. Continuing with the idea of the road and and driving as we attempt to work together alongside each other Uh, to partner together. So rule number one before we take a journey together is you really need to know the road conditions. And I know that often we will turn on the radio, check traffic reports. Sometimes we'll check Google uh, to see where the red lines are on the road. Um, But traffic usually will come up and it'll tell us what's going on with the road conditions. So what's from our perspective as far as parent ministry goes and partnering with parents, let's talk about research. Uh, And and this is going to have implications for us, and so we'll talk about this just a little bit. Scripturally, and research-based, the parents are the primary disciples. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they're discipling? Are parents actually opening the Bible and every night discipling their kids? Yes or no? No. No. Okay. Um, And so we as a church continue to work towards repentance in that regard, recognizing that's a problem. So... However, the thing that you need to know about this generation of parents is we're moving out of millennial into Generation Z. And my research that I was reading on this, the parents are Generation Xers. I'm an Xer, okay? I have a 15-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old daughter. Xers and millennials grew up around helicopter parents. that were very, very involved all up in our business. And so when we were in that, we're like, man, they're smothering us. I'm not gonna do that to my kids. And so what happens from one generation to the next? There's an overreaction. We back off. And so if you remember a couple of years, there was a New York Times article written about this parent that gave their kid uh, subway money and let their kid take the subway on their own, by themselves, completely free-range. And they called it free-range parenting. And so you have parents that are somewhat engaged, but not completely engaged in what's going on in their lives. Um, they're, they're cool if the kid makes the decision. Um, they I think we were talking about parents not showing up. Some of that's just culturally irresponsibility, but sometimes it's like it's your job as the ed- educator to take care of my kid. That's what I, I pay you to do. And in youth ministry, we have a lot of that saying. It, I bring them to church. That's what I'm supposed to do. But I'm going to go take my time with my, my friends and enjoy it. And then you take care of my kid for the next hour. And then we'll get back in the car. We'll go home. And then the coach will take care of them. The teacher will take care of them. The dance instructor will take care of them. And then we'll go home. So they become ta- taxi drivers in that process. <clears throat> Research is also telling us that parents will monitor the digital content. Like what websites they'll go to but we're not monitoring the amount of content. Um, One of the examples was, I mean, restaurants, and man, church too. I don't know about you guys. uh, I'm really heartbroken when I see a family at a restaurant. They just sat down and they hand their kids the tablets. It's not the kid brought it with them. They're pulling it out of the person going, here you go, and here you go. Um, And then at church, um, they're, I can understand maybe during the sermon because uh, of the distraction and length of time, but even during the worship zones where it's kind of lively and interactive and, and visually engaging, the kids are sitting on the pew and they're watching cartoons instead of engaging in worship and discipleship. So that's kind of the culture that we're dealing with um, when we're talking about partner with parents. We've got a huge obstacle to overcome uh, in that process so the road conditions are not not good let's well, complicate it even further research from 15 years ago says they will replicate their parents faith so talk to me what kind of faith um, characteristics generalized are you seeing from your parents the adults that are a part of your church
2: area mm-hmm. as to what's okay mm-hmm. um, especially with like, the whole LG group and yep. those things a lot of political stuff is now leading its way in There's not a clear this is God's expectation
1: this is not just doesn't feel right to tell somebody that they're wrong
3: right a lot, a lot of vagueness and not specific and clear mm-hmm. on right or wrong or moral standard or whichever. It's just kind of general vague idea. Mm-hmm. Just be a good person. Yeah, generically. Just mm-hmm. be good. Yeah. Do your best. Mm-hmm. And that kind of shallow, generic. is
2: mm-hmm. just like a part of life, or you think it's not...
1: Yeah. The of what Yeah. Absolutely. Like I
0: said, there was recreation and something else we did. Mm-hmm. It feels like speed dating a lot. Yeah. Youth ministry. What's that look what's that mean? So they will go around and just go to different churches in the neighborhood to see which one gives them what they want. Yeah. Um and so sometimes it gets frustrating. Um, especially, you know, if you're if you're a church you yeah, you have fun but your primary thing is disciple and teaching. Sometimes they get kind of turned off by that. And it's like, and they'll tell you that. Like, you, you, they'll say, you're not giving me enough. I've had students tell that, you, you're not giving me enough. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, I'm going somewhere else where we have fun all day. So it's like speed day. That's why, I mean, I've had several. So speed. Okay, well, i visit that church, and that church, and that church, and that church. Now it's your turn. They'll tell me, like, like, I should be blessed that they're giving me a chance. Like, <laughs> what are you going
1: to offer me? And we're talking about a conversation where I'm fixing to hand it back to you. And, uh, I'm out. So... You guys are describing everything that's absolutely validated, and the research has backed that up. You've got 4%, according to Pew Research, of students that carry what we call a biblical worldview, which means the Bible is a source of truth, it is God's truth, and therefore God can tell me what is right and what is wrong. And so the things that you are describing in your church on adults... This did not come because they came out of the womb this way. This is because the culture has, down from generation to generation, passed its way down. And so you and I have a heart for impacting teens and life change. Part of that process has got to be the adults too. It's a, my, my goal in this conversation is for us to go back to our church and go, this is not a youth ministry problem, this is a church problem what can we do in a discipleship spiritual transformation process not just information but spiritual transformation start leading people towards a biblical worldview as been described I'm out you're going to have people walk away allow me to encourage you John six sixty-six. Jesus says if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood cannibal, crazy And it says in 666, well, I think it's very ironic, but it's 666, right? It's almost like the people who put the little numbers in went, oh, this is a perfect spot for this devil's number. Um, And it says, and many walked away from Jesus because this was a very difficult teaching to grasp. We're going to separate wheat from chaff by doing this. You're still going to have consumers in your church, but our hope is through this process we're going to get one or two parents that are going to change their kids' life because they're going to change the directory of how they raise their kids because they realize what Scripture is teaching, which is not for us to go, it's not my job, it's your job. It's, it's our job to come alongside and minister and equip saints for works of service. That's our role as ministry leaders. But in that process, the parent has an opportunity to come uh, and, and come alongside. Now, most parents, because of the free-range parenting um, and the lack of training from parents themselves generationally don't know how I have a PhD in student ministry which was just talking about my dissertation has to do with dads discipling teenagers I've had to figure out most of that and I've been in church for twenty or all my life I've been in church I've been in ministry for over 20 years I've had to figure most of that out on my own what does it mean to disciple my own child um, reading books and, and figuring it out and we can go through a list of resources if you want some options um, here in a little bit uh, but it's just trial and error and figuring out how to be intentional. I just decided I'm going to disciple my kid because I was a youth minister for so long. Before I had my own kids, it's like, I can't, there's no way I can do all this. And I could expect a youth minister to do what I want out of my own kid. I've got to take responsibility for that. So the last part, as it relates to Generation Z, uh, which is our new generation, is there's a lack of brand loyalty. And we were talking about this with the speed dating. Um, they're not loyal to one brand. It's flipped. They expect the brand to be loyal to them. All right. So that's the way this generation is acting. So what that means is you have to offer them something where they feel like you want them. Uh, that means they're not going to come to your church. We grew, I grew up in a day and age, being in the South, where the church was the social center of the rural community. I was basically in rural communities most of my life. So, the banker, the mayor, you know, for a typical First Baptist type dynamic, uh, everybody was there. Was everybody Christian? No. But that was the central place for people to receive the gospel. Um, Even in our definitions of things like Sunday school, Sunday school was an evangelistic strategy. You invite people to come to church. So the expectation was, let's build a program and have them come to us. Um, we're very, uh, I think the word is the, the nuns. is kind of what, what the definition we're giving. Basically what nuns mean, they have no faith. They're not against it. They're not atheists. They just don't have any. And they don't care to have any. They don't need it. They have everything at their disposal. The church provides them nothing. There's nothing that the church can actually give them that would make them better in their minds because the the culture they live in has equipped them for everything that they need. At least that's what they believe. So we have to go to them. Great commission. Uh, We have to go to them in order to change that. Um, And I've been very excited about what's happened over the last couple of years as I've talked to churches. More and more churches are figuring out public school systems. How can we go and serve the church? Now, initially, I'm sure it was, let's go serve the church so that they'll come to our church. That was kind of the trial But that blows up in your face because the school realizes that and, like, no, we are not your marketing strategy. But churches have started carrying with it the idea we want nothing in return. We just, we're gonna go love our community. That's how this changes. So, what we're dealing with, we're dealing with a bunch of parents that really are learning that engagement's not cool. It's better to let the kids grow and let other people train them we were talking about the education system being the source for that a little earlier, and then you got students who have no worldview basis for discipleship that you and I would agree would be discipleship, which would be God's truth, the Word. They're getting that from their parents. The road conditions are bad. I mean, it, you right now we can go. It's just let's just quit. We're done. We're done. But that's not what we do because we're too passionate about life change. I'm too committed to the idea that God could change someone's life. He changed my life. I believe he can change someone else's. Now, I have to figure out how to do that and to overcome all these obstacles. And I'm stubborn. I like winning. I'm competitive. I want to win. Um, I'm on Shorter's campus. We have lost students all over our campus. And I'm like, how am I going to win these students to Christ? I have to go to them. Yes, they take my Bible survey classes. That's fine. That's That's an avenue. But if I'm really going to impact them, I've got to get in their natural habitat. So I want to get us outside the church and start working towards that. So any questions on the road conditions, team culture, that you just are dying, you know, and a lot of that? So we've got to have directions sometimes to get around the traffic, around the construction. Um, Atlanta can get nasty, as you can tell. Luckily, today it went too bad. Um, so this goes back to, for a church, we've got to have clear vision, purpose for partnering with parents. I'm going to try to give you some of that today, that you can basically go home. This is not a, and you know this, there's no ministry in a box. that All of us can go home and, and do exactly the same. Covington, Carrollton, um, Paulding County, wherever you are, it's going to be different because your dynamic of people are different. Your interactions with the schools are different um, in your community. We don't have to throw the entire ministry program that we have out the window and start completely over to do parent ministry uh, and partner with parents. There are some things that we can do organically. uh, And then I'll give you a strategy for being more intentional. Um, That's not necessarily changing, but more adding as you go through your ministry processes. But just to say, hey, we're going to be intentional and just kind of splatter parent stuff here and there. An email here, a worksheet there, do an event here. It's not going to work Um, because I've learned now, not being in ministry, but in education. um, Yes, it's still ministry, but I'm not in the church seven days a week. I'm a parent now. My life is busy. And it's been fun being on this side because now I realize what it was like to be a volunteer. And now I'm more sympathetic to the volunteer um, through this process. So to go, hey, I need more volunteer hours, I need more time, I need more commitment. We, we just can't ask that. We've got to just work on that efficiency. What can we? How can we be more strategic in what we're doing? Um, so we'll, we'll evaluate that. Um, so... <clears throat> One strategy that you can have, and I learned this a long time ago from a guy, there's a, there's a ministry philosophy called family integrated ministry. Okay? so What family integrated ministry says is youth ministry should not exist. Everything should be done within the church, and ages should all be together. Children should be together, youth should be together, adults should be together. That is the most effective biblical way to do ministry. Culturally, from Bible times, that was probably true. I would agree with them. Culturally, in Bible times, they were all together. Even in the United States in the 17, early 1800s, we probably could still do family ministry because they all worked the farms together. They did a lot together. We're in the 1900s, 2000s, we don't do that anymore. Our culture does not allow that anymore. Our culture has changed and therefore I think there's an essence where our church has to adjust to culture and meet the needs of culture in order for the gospel to be impacted correctly. So, there are churches that do a family-integrated model. There's a book called Turning the Ship that basically says you can take your age-graded programming, which is what all of us pretty much have. You have a preschool ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, senior adult ministry, middle adult ministry, college ministry, empty-nester ministry. We, we're all separate. He says, throw all that out and just go full-on integrated. Um, Bodie is very wise. He says they will fire you or they will kill you and then fire your dead body uh, if you try to do that. It just so what my goal has been in ministry is take advantage of the opportunities I have to do family-integrated ministry within the context of an age-segregated church. So uh, I interviewed a guy uh, about his family-integrated ministry because uh, I was just curious, read a lot on it. was fascinated with the idea of being a discipler within the church and at home. Um, and so I was like, you do a WANA. That doesn't make sense because you're family-integrated. Why are you doing a WANA? And what he basically said was, Um, We take advantage of the opportunities that we have to partner with parents in ministry. So if I'm going to add what he suggested I do to move the needle to partner with parents, anything new that I do, I need to incorporate parents into it with an expectation that parents will be involved. So one of the things we did was a mission trip. We added a mission trip to our ministry. We didn't do a youth mission trip. We did a family mission trip. Um, which I can tell you as the youth leader that was awesome um, because now the parents are responsible for their kids I'm not I'm just there to make sure the ministry takes place they're the ones handling all the night stuff uh, get to bed get, get back in your room quit chasing the girls you know mom and dad are handling that it's of um, so basic idea would be everything we add moving forward needs to have a parent element in it so we want to add something to our ministry we want to change something the conversation needs to include parents um, maybe in the conversation but also how are we going to minister to parents um, so i know your mind's running going well i'm thinking of an idea right now and i don't see where parents are going to fit in that what anybody got something on your mind Create confusion yet
3: how would that come across as not <clears throat> being misunderstood as if you're always trying to recruit parents to be workers and helpers.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, I'm being intentional that it's not volunteerism. Right. This is Some people you, say, well, you
3: just want me to be a
1: worker. Yeah. And, that's the articulation of the vision. Kid. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Uh, because I'm not looking for volunteers. I mean, that's, that's the idea. That's where we get most of our volunteers from. No, this is your kid needs you more than they need me and I see so much value in you uh, for them that I want you to join us. Um, now, we've got to sell that, and we've got to deal with the participation and the obstacles as we continue. You're not, the very first time you do this, going to win, more than likely. But what you've decided is, this is way too important not to quit. Deuteronomy 6, Love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And press it upon your children. Teach them when you sit at home, when you walk along the way uh, when you lay down when you get up on the frontlets of your eyes on the doorpost of your house and on your gates all that's family-based the very the most powerful commandment jesus had was family-based but yeah we as a church take it and say that's our mantra that's our motto but what are we doing to get parents back to teaching their kids to love god because i love the end of Jeremy 6 it's evangelism he's like hey dad why do we do all this stuff well let me tell you a story about how God changed our family's life. And they go through the whole history of of Egypt and slavery and God saving them. That's why they do all that stuff. So they could teach the gospel to their kids. So um, you almost have to tell your group, this is not about getting more volunteers, people. And that's going to be the temptation to move that way when you're having those conversations. And you, I, don't, I don't know the size of staffs that you have. This, is, this may not be a staff meeting discussion. This may be just a simple youth council, youth committee, a couple Sunday school teachers getting together and talking about it. The temptation to go, oh, man, if we get these parents involved, we can do this and this and this. They can bring Dr. Peppers and brownies and, and stuff. No, 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 no. This is the, trying to give them an opportunity to actually interact with their child in a church event. So, most of us, it would be something like doing a service project. Just a, a day, Sunday afternoon after church, or on a Saturday morning, we're going to go serve a place in our community. We've talked about schools a little bit. We're going to go clean up the school on a Saturday afternoon. We're going to tell the football coach we're going to go clean the stadium. Because just to tell them we love them, no strings attached.
0: The next month I'm starting, it may be utter failure, but I'm going to make... Um, On the third Wednesday of every month, I'm going to have my intern handle the youth service. I'm going to have the adults come in and worship with us. And I'm taking the adults out after worship, and I'm purposely going to teach them and show them how how to disciple, what's going on, what things to look out for as parents, social media concerns, technology concerns, and just me pouring into them, but also they get to spend that first 45 minutes of our service with their students in our youth service. Mm-hmm. So that way they're seeing what's happening, what's going on, and they get to know other kids. Because a lot of the kids at our church, a lot of the parents go to different churches. Yeah. And so, you know, they're not, they don't know who, who these kids are. Um, and so I just feel like, because the way, you know, Larry Lawrence, one of the smartest youth ministry guys, in the world, he always tells us, like you, your job is to work yourself out of a job. Yeah. Is to work yourself out of youth ministry. You, so they don't need you. Mm-hmm. And that's what, we're, that's what I'm trying to do because the parents are ultimately
1: responsible, not me. So you have, <clears throat> what you're telling me is you already have a time slot in place where we're not taking advantage of parents. Yep. So let's take advantage of the opportunity we have. We already have a time slot. They come and drop them off. Maybe if we offered something, a few of them would stick around. Mm-hmm. Now, you've mentioned one of the difficulties in that is personnel. Luckily for you, you have an intern. Um, but what do I do if I don't? Okay. so what are some options for us if we see an, an element but we don't have the staff to do it what are some alternatives to that
0: I would say a Sunday school teacher or a kid who's called to the ministry yeah. give him an opportunity to speak once a month um, a great opportunity as my pastor did with me I had once every two months I got to speak once a month Once a mm-hmm. once night a month um, so it helped really prepare me and get all the, the stupid stuff out learned a lot
1: we're working ourselves out of a job. We, this again, there's a long game to this. Taking the time to equip other people to teach them what we're doing. So much, it's so easy to just grab a curriculum, go in and teach, go home, and go. Oh my gosh, that was a long day today because we have secular jobs as well as our ministry jobs, uh, ministry opportunities. Completely understand that. But slowly, again, not rushing it because if you do, they'll fire you and or and kill you or kill you and then fire your dead body. Um, slowly surely bringing along people alongside of us to show them so that we can and you're not saying hey i'm i'm leaving." it's i'm expanding i need your help in order to accomplish something that's going to have greater impact so let me show you what i do and it's low commitment once a month um, come in fill in if the pastor buys in my pastor could easily come in and teach bible study once once a month the senior adults could manage themselves and my staff, one of our staff, pastor, could come in and do it. I think there would be great benefit in that, convincing my pastor that that would be a different story, obviously. Because, you know, those kids are crazy. They'll duct tape me to the wall, maybe. And if they do, it'll be a memory they never forget. Um, you, they will endear you forever if, if you let them duct tape you to. Yes. So so service project idea was is one. Just We've got plenty of ministry opportunities where... the what we're doing is just saying, hey, parent, come serve alongside your kid and let them see the impact of you and your example because they don't get to see that in church. You're in a Sunday school, you're in worship, they're in a youth section. They don't ever see you doing Jesus. This is one opportunity where they can see you doing Jesus together. And again, not radical, not often. We're not totally adding, we're all way too busy anyway. There's probably some things we could eliminate. That's another story for another day. Uh, but I'm just trying to be intentional from a church programming perspective of what we do. Family, for us, mission trip was the way to do that. I did try family camp one year. Um, I attempted to kill youth camp um, and do family camp one year because I wanted to do a mission trip in the, fam- in the youth camp slot. So I backed camp up into January um, and did a modified thing and invited parents basically to come to a youth revival. Parents could come. And then join us for a retreat afterwards, um, which worked. The theory worked, but the problem was when we got to April, parents were like, Where are we going to youth camp? The culture could not shift with the vision. And I was like, We're going on a mission trip. Well, where are we going to youth camp? We're going on a mission Where are we going to youth camp? We're not going on youth camp. We'll find my kid. I'll, I'll just pay the deposit at the other church and they'll go to youth camp with them. Shopping. Pastor, Gus, you're going to youth camp. I'm like budget got spent. What you gonna do, boss? We'll add the money in the budget. You're going to youth camp. Yes, sir. So, again, cultures are hard to shift, but there are some things we can programming wise do. All right, um, carpooling uh, is another good option for efficiency of travel and partnering together. So, this is feeding off what you talked about with the Bible study dynamic creating opportunities for parents to come together to talk about what it means to do ministry and discipleship with their kids. So we already have the time slots in place. We often don't use them. Sunday school, small group ministry. We may not be involved in that, but we've got other teachers that we could partner with us. There are Sunday school teachers that may have never thought about the idea that they could actually impact youth ministry. They think they're teaching an adult Sunday school class because they don't like kids. i not put me with the kids. But well, we can go share vision with them that you guys can actually, in this room, impact our student ministry. If you'll direct the conversations biblically. So this was great for me as I was a fledgling parent growing up, trying to figure out what it means to parent. I, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you feel like you're the only parent dealing with something. Right now I feel like that with a do- as a dog owner. I've had a dog about five months. Does anybody want a dog? Um, I've had about a dog, this dog about five months and I've never been a dog owner, never been a pet owner. I had some crickets when I was a kid. They didn't last very long. Um, but I had this dog and we're trying to figure it out and I feel like I'm completely helpless and I don't know what I'm doing and I feel like we're the only ones that are struggling with this. And so I email my um, dog breeder friend who raises and breeds American mastiffs. big, massive dogs. And the reason they're American is they don't drool. The British Mastiff drool everywhere. But the American Mastiff don't drool as much. That's the reason she breeds them, down. And so I email her, Facebook, time her, because she's in Texas and I'm in Georgia. And I say, this is where we're going in our life. And you know what she says? You're normal. You know what relief that is? It doesn't really help the situation. But it's a relief just to feel like you're normal. Everybody <coughs> deals with... A dog that chews the couch and barks at you all night long and doesn't sleep through the night in the first few days that you're at the house those are normal things so as a parent when I was dealing with a preschooler I had a discipline issue that I was struggling with and I felt like I was the only one and I'm sitting in a Sunday school class and somehow I brought up the question I was like guys I don't know what to do here's what I'm dealing with and then across the aisle a guy that I barely know goes oh thank the Lord I thought I was the only one. And it just opened Pandora's box of connections and support and ministry. I don't know about you and your Sunday school classes, but I'm going to take a step of faith here and say most of us don't live in a Sunday school class where we can be vulnerable and say I'm struggling. Would that be fairly accurate? Okay, So... I don't know, but we talked about the minivan walking in and going, hey, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing just great, brother. It's so good to be here. And you're lying because the kids were fighting, the dog would cooperating. Job stinks. You're wondering if you should change jobs. Should I keep my job? Your health is struggling. You can't tell anybody what's going on because then you'll look weak and you won't spiritual enough. The fact of the matter is, everybody's kind of in that same boat, but nobody's opening up the box to go help. Sunday so school is a great place for us to carpool together in this thing called life and doing ministry. And so, what we can do is partner with adult Sunday school classes to say some of its information. We'll talk about information in a minute. Some of it um, is about collaborating together and partnering together in existing structures like small group ministry and uh, youth ministry. You could actually, if, as multiplying, some of, we're talking about multiplying cells in education, growing Sunday school classes as the church grows. Some churches will actually use life points as their structures as different than age. So instead of age, they'll do parents of children, parents of preschoolers, parents of teenagers, empty nesters. They'll create classes that target specific needs, uh, and then those needs allow us to be intentional with our material so while we may be using explore the bible material to go through judges we can carry on a life structure conversation of the difficulties of life as we go through my hope is that we could start creating vulnerability that doesn't mean we're all accountable that's those are smaller more intentional but we're creating conversations where we don't feel like we're the only one and it empowers parenting It's so nice to have the leverage against my kid. Because you know these conversations you have with your kids? Everybody's got Instagram, Dad. I'm the only one that doesn't have an Instagram. And then I'm talking to a... So I give my kid an Instagram because she finally beat me down for Christmas. I bought my kid Instagram for Christmas. That's the kind of dad I am. I spare no expense for my child. So I give my kid Instagram for Christmas and now we have her instagram and the dog has an instagram too but you got to get your pet an instagram um and so i'm on mission trip in june so that was christmas i'm on mission trip in june with the christian school that we're at and i'm in the van with the dad and we're talking and uh he's like man i'm really struggling my kid is uh my kid doesn't have instagram and he's telling me he's the only one that doesn't have it and i went oh man, I could have spared six more months and fought this just a little bit longer if I'd have known that guy is fat and fighting his kid. We could all band together against our children in this massive war of social media to go, we will not stand down. We will rise up against thee in the great battle that is social media exposure. Um, and so found out in the course, another student doesn't even have a cell phone. 15, about turned 16. Parent still hasn't bought him a cell phone. I'm sitting there going, go. So are you. We didn't know. You know, we had the excuse. She's on cross country. She's going to travel. We've got to get her a phone. So there are parents out there that are trying to do the right thing and battling. And it'd be nice to know that information if parents have an opportunity to share that with each other. But the kids are the ones in school that are always together. And so they're sharing that information. And then they go home and then give us misinformation. And so, and it's not a lie. I'm not saying kids are lying to you, it's just when it goes in and comes out it goes through that filter that just gobbles it all up and doesn't make any sense and so it all comes something that makes sense to them. No, I'm just
0: shaking my head. Okay.
1: So I would encourage you to take advantage of the opportunities that you do have. Use the existing structures. Again, I'm not trying to say, hey, if you really want to partner parents you need to add X, Y, and Z to your programming. It's too busy. They're not going to come. Um, we can barely get them on Sunday morning and Sunday, you know, for worship. So let's use what we already have, that 10, 930 to 1045. Time slot for Sunday school is a great chance. If you have a small group ministry that's really, really successful, if you're still doing some kind of Sunday night discipleship program, take advantage of that. Right now, Media, it's a great resource. Got a lot of great parenting stuff on there. <clears throat> As an administrator, you actually can go and set up playlists um, you might not be the administrator of right now, Media, but if your church is using it, just let you know, um, your administrators can go in and set up a playlist of, here are six videos that you need to do if you really want to disciple your parent. You can go pull them and then package them together. Um, I learned that through ACSI, the Christian School Oversight. They packaged um, dis- discipleship materials to qualify teachers for ACSI certification. Um, you can do that now through RightNow Media. It is kind of like Netflix, uh, except it's church leadership and kids resources. It's got all the old right Bible now. book right Now Media. It's
0: phenomenal. You can go to a lot of churches to sign up. That you it.
1: Your church pays an annual fee, and it's based on your church size. So this church would pay way more than most of us would pay because our church is a little smaller. But then it's free game to everybody in your church. So I have two memberships because Unity Christian School bought it for all of us as parents partnering with parents. And then the church did as well. So um, my goal for me, for for our church, I have no administrative responsibilities. I am just a volunteer. But with our associate pastor, I said it would be really nice for us to go in and do teacher training using these resources. Package a teacher training playlist for our Sunday school teachers because we as a church right now do not do a good job of resourcing and equipping our teachers to teach well. We give them a curriculum, we put them in a classroom. But there's pedagogical things we could do, small group, how to ask the right question, how to get a response. Those things would be very, very beneficial. But right now, Medias was called, and, and again, they have a price list based on church size. They'll give you a trial run, let you try it out. I like it because it's it's got all the tails. so I can go back and watch all those for me. Uh, and then the most important one is it's got Uh, Flying House, or it's got Superbook. I don't know if you ever grew up on Superbook, but
3: the the
1: originals are on there. I know. When I was like, honey, I told my sixth grader, I said, I don't care if you like it, you have to sit down and watch this. I'm making you see what my childhood was like. They have the newer version on there, too, but they have the older version. I said, I just want you to see the difference Mm -hmm. in cartoon animation from now to then. She's like, Dad, can we stop? I know, but yeah, it was awesome. Uh-huh. you never
0: used the, I Can't Speak More Highly. That's probably the greatest resource I've ever purchased it is it's like $109 a month. And that's the price that stays. You know, your church grows to be 5,000 people. That's the greatest thing I've ever... I mean, because we do you use it for Sunday School. Yep. You can take it over our Sunday School Curriculum.
1: Sunday School Curriculum, small group, discipleship. So I'm not paid endorsement. Um, I originally didn't like the company. Um it's rebranded itself to Right Now Media. It used to be something else. Pushy. Oh, my gosh. They were dirty marketers.
3: <laughs> Filthy.
1: Sinful, even. I don't have time to tell you the story. I'll make it real, real quick. <clears throat> they would send you a box of discipleship material, and they go, you don't have to pay for it. We'll send, we'll send an invoice to your financial secretary in about a month. You just try it out. If you don't like it, ship it back to us. But then you would forget about it. Your financial secretary wouldn't talk to you, and then she'd pay them a check for $200. And then you go, Where'd my $200 go? Oh, I, I paid that invoice for Bluefish for you. No! That's how they would make their money is they would send you all the stuff and then they knew the church wouldn't communicate with each other and then they'd make their money. And But they would do that. Oh, we just want to make sure your address is right before we send it. They wouldn't ask you if you wanted it. They would just we want to make sure it's right before we send it. We don't want your yes. We don't want your no, so we're not going to even ask you yes. Oh, they were so dirty. I hated that. I hated them. But they've rebranded and they've gotten better. So, um, but they got all kinds of sermon illustrations, all kinds of fun stuff on there. All right, so um, we've got to pay attention to uh, the signs um, that are out there because those signs communicate to us. Communication is a big part of travel um, and some can be pretty confusing, um, as you can see. <laughs> Quick Google search, you can find some fun stuff. Um, caution water on road during rain. Thank you so much. I'm really glad I know that. Um, So anyway, what does that look like for us? Communication. There's regular communication with parents. Um, There's a couple I would encourage um, using technology to your advantage here. Um, And I'll give you one that's not on here that's not technological. Uh, You've got apps called Band and Groupie. These are just two examples. We used to use Remind. Remind is a very common one. <clears throat> but in all the communication that I've seen from other youth pastors Verizon has changed something in their um, text messaging systems where Remind does not work or there's a charge now and so Remind is not as effective as it used to be
2: and to download the app if you're not a Verizon or an AT&T
1: user. yeah so it's kind of taken a hit for now we'll see if Verizon and Remind or Remind makes an adjustment but um, group me has been around for a while most of your students will tell you they're on about 50 different group because um, it's based on their classes or extracurricular activities so you easily could be another one some of your youth ministries may already use group me and it's just a group text it's like a group chat so you could put all your parents on one and they could let the parents answer each other's questions when's youth camp some parent could jump in you don't have to answer everything they can carry on their own conversation you could monitor it because um, you don 't want it to get out of hand where a parent drops a negative comment, and then it just kind of derails, but that 's social media that 's how it works, unfortunately. Uh, my daughter 's cheerleading coach is using band, and, and in some of the conversations I saw all the youth pastors having about communication stuff, band wasn't was the newer one that i 've seen that 's kind of same thing, group text, group chat um, type stuff, partly because everybody 's using group me, and so your chats get lost. So if you jump something different that nobody else is using, um, it'll kind of help bring yours to the forefront. My guess is eventually it'll either be something else or we'll go back to group D, um at some point. Uh, I would also do postcards still uh, if you have the expense. I know your budgets, we try to be digitally friendly. That's free. But postcards still work. Here's the benefit of postcards. I would use different colors. I wouldn't just do white. Um, Go get the cardstock colors that you can get at Office Depot, Staples, like that melon color back there. Because when it comes in the mail, it will stick out. They'll see it. It also can go in the refrigerator. Um, You can still address it to the student, but the parent will see it. Um, And so everybody sees a postcard. So I know that my kid's getting college mail now, my sophomore. I'm seeing everything that's on them and the information that's provided. So if you can still afford it, I mean, postage is constantly raising. You might want to use it strategically, but if there's certain information you need to communicate, um, just administratively, I would still recommend snail mail on occasion. Now, we talked about branding a little bit. Um, social marketing is a huge part of what of ministry now. Um, so I'd encourage you, if you have not... Um, do some studying on what social, social marketing and branding is. Now, most of us have a name for our youth ministry. Um, relevant, The Grove, something. If you're like me, you want it to have a spiritual tone to it. Um, our youth ministry in Texas was called the refinery. You know, the refinery's fire. Very biblical, very structural. But even 10 years ago and today, if you go ask somebody... What does refinery mean? They're just going to tell you that's the youth building in downtown West Point, Texas. They're not going to tell you the spiritual tone. So nobody in the outside world is going to understand your spiritual context that you're trying to make. All they're going to know is your brand. So you have to communicate the brand. Uh, In our world, I would suggest Instagram. um, Posting stuff on Instagram every day. Now, what does that look like? Um... There are different things that you can do um, cultural awareness and conversation helps when we get to the end of the slides i'm going to give you i'm going to share a folder with you a google drive folder um, that will give you this powerpoint as well as two additional conversation topic resources um, it'll basically be 120 questions by the time you get done so i'm just random some spiritual that i found on a blog that i thought were really really good and so you can post those in the instagram story Everybody that follows you or your ministry will see them, or you can post a picture. If you use um, you, you version, the Bible app, they have a verse of the day. You can create a backdrop for it, hit share, done. But we're, what we're trying to do is disciple even just a nugget every day through Instagram Store. Now, if you have a Facebook page, not a profile, but a page, like a professional page, You can schedule those in advance. Um, You can set a timer where to launch. The problem with Facebook is they're set up to make money. And so not everybody's going to see your Facebook stuff, Um, just the way Facebook's set up. You'd have to pay for everybody to see it. So you can still do it because the target audience for Facebook is 40 to 60-year-old women. And so that'll be a lot of your mamas that can still communicate. But everybody right now, for now, everybody sees Instagram. And so I would suggest that it's the easiest way to communicate every day with your people um, in your communication. So it doesn't always have to be a meeting at a church. This is where the organicness comes together. You can just send it to the parents or target whoever it is, who you are, what's important to you. Um, It doesn't always have to be don't forget about the glow party. Don't forget about. Color wars! Don't forget about color wars. Invite a friend, invite a friend, invite a friend, invite a friend. Invite a friend. Um, again, marketing—you don't want to flood it because then it becomes numb. Save it. Be intentional. Um, but doing the scripture thing from U version, easy to do. Change the background up, um, or using one of the questions: "Hey parent, ask your kid this today when they get out of school." And You can just put it on that storyline, and as they're scrolling through, they'll see that.
0: I usually do a biweekly. weekly because like um, this is what's coming up for the next couple of yeah. weeks right here. put on Instagram and Facebook that way because um, none of the kids use Facebook. They all use Snapchat or Instagram. So I hit both to make sure they all get. get it.
1: Um, you'll notice I avoided Snapchat. I didn't put it on here. I'm just – I know we need to be there because of where the students are. Um, I just don't like the lack of boundaries. I'm just not comfortable. Um, there, there's, there's ways to do it properly. Um, mainly using it as a corporate account type deal. You don't use it as a personal account. You have a corporate account where you again sell the brand. And you
0: have like six people have access to it. So that way. Nothing could be yeah, saved. there's uh, just
1: there's too many, too many dangers the way that thing's set up. Now culturally, we need to be aware. And encourage students to be wise. Um, again, that goes cultural awareness about what apps. There are different websites that you can. Um, like blogs and people that can communicate to you. Even just following on Twitter, you can follow certain people. You don't have to go search for them. People will bring them up. Um, you know, five apps you need to be aware of that are hiding stuff. There's a calculator app that hides stuff. Looks like a calculator on the screen, but if they tap a certain code, all the apps that they don't want Mama to see will pop up. It's been around for at least a few months. I think even over a year now. It's been around. So. But yeah, you do you, <clears throat> email still, but again, it gets lost. So um, old days, we'd get up in church and go, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist um, Timbuktu. Uh, if you'll open your bulletin, I have some announcements for you. Let's read through the announcements of the bulletin. Pastor, we'll get up at the call of service. Thank you so much today. Don't forget to read your bulletin. Remind you of a few announcements in the bulletin. And then they walk out and go, hey, when's that fellowship? It's in the bulletin, right? We constantly remind them, and it's all there. So being consistent and constant in our communication, what I'm, I'm challenging us today is change some of those conversations. It's not all administrative show up for programming. We can use our communication as opportunities to disciple. So things like cultural awareness that you see come across Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Fox News even, I uh, will go CNN, right? We're good. Not going CNN, even though it's Atlanta. Just kidding. Um, there, there's certain technolog- cultural things, you know, that come up, either based on TV, Kardashians, or culturally, new apps, changes, in, uh, of things going on that we need to talk about and be aware of. Being a resource for that information is always good. Uh, uh, okay, so uh, pay attention to traffic. <clears throat> so let's get a little more intentional about the individual parents themselves. Um, so first thing is as a minister it's not just about providing information it's about doing ministry if we want to impact the student we need to impact everybody around the student too so I'm going to love on the parent I'm going to minister to the grandparents Um, I know that those people have an emotional attachment to that student the student cares about them so I really want to go next level with the student if the grandparents in the hospital I need to be there If there's a funeral, I need to be there. So I want to make sure that the student knows I love them, but it's not just about spending time with them. It's about connecting to their world. So it's not just about sporting events. It's about the other people in their world, too. Um, So as I minister to them, I'm earning the right to be able to to give that information to the parents. Um, So I can't expect a parent to listen to me if I've not earned the right to be heard. Uh, And so I want to work on that. Now... 4% do not have a biblical worldview. So while in my mind, this is important, this discipleship is important, I have to recognize that most of them are not going to see the need for it or the priority that I do. So I have to continue to work towards a goal or an end that says my goal is to continue to impact parents and more and more of them understand the importance of a biblical worldview. Um, My discipleship processes have got to be way more intentional than a curriculum. I love curriculum, but the curriculum has a purpose behind it, and those are those objectives of teaching for an end or a goal. Some of you guys are educators. It's supposed to produce life change, but all we're doing is, do you know the information? Can you spout back the information? Awesome. We had Sunday school today. But what happens on Monday? How are we going to change Monday? Monday. Monday's got to be different. We have to be different on Monday, and then come back on Sunday and go. I was doing well, but on Thursday I fell off, and I need to pick back up. That's true discipleship, um, but we've we've mimicked um, too much of the education system and not really doing discipleship. That's why events like this are important, so our leaders can come and understand what real discipleship and ministry is.
3: Yeah. Um, I'll even reinforce what you said okay. a little further. Sure. Schools, years ago, when the kids go to school to come back home, the parents say, the kids, What'd you learn today? Today, when the kids come back home, they say, What'd you learn today or what'd you do today? At church, when the kids go to the same school and come back home, years ago the parents would say, What did you learn today? Today they say, Did you have fun? mm
1: mm-hmm. yeah. We're also not giving resources to, to for those questions to even ask, but again, time everything we talking about consumerism.
3: Are you happy? Well, what I, my people attempt <laughs> to try to do this better is I, I would ask parents, you know, ask your kids, what did they learn today, or ask them about this. You know, one of those yeah. aha moments. That I tried to have. Mm-hmm. Or assign the kids. You know, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Oh man, this is church. I didn't know, it. no, no. You have yep. to tell your parents this or that. You choose and that. You know, I'm trying to give them it to, to try to spark a conversation and let them do some more personal application or discussion about it at home in their you know routine on the way home. So on the way home, as soon as you click on your seatbelt. Oh, yeah, that click. I'm supposed to tell my parents something. Yep. And, you know, it try, try to engage in either way. The parents start it or the child starts it. But um, because it's not just like a church to have fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I I Although a portion of it is. I want but, them to enjoy it. But I don't want to waste 90% yeah. of my time with fun. Oh, by the way, here's a verse.
1: Yeah. There's a diff- yeah. definite difference between joy and being happy. Yeah. I want them to find joy. Mm-hmm. Happy is a, a fleeting emotion. So yeah.
0: Well one good thing about like if you do like YM three sixty or if you buy their year-long curriculum, like to me it's worth the one ninety-nine a year because one you get all the the digital background um, drops, but also even I don't use their lessons exactly, they have it, they have parent resources you can send out that says, This is what they're learning for a month. This is every lesson they're gonna learn this Wednesday. And these are some questions you can ask them. Yep. And so you can go, you can put it on Instagram, you can Send it home to the kids, these are the kids that throw a laser walk door and try it anyway. But you put on there and says, like today, this is what we're learning on the youth, and these are some questions you can ask either the day before or the day after. And that just makes a big difference because now parents <clears> can't say, I don't know. They can go, Well, I know what you learned and now I can ask direct questions. Because you all know you ask a question what you learned. you usually get the oh we learned about Jesus and then but if you start asking those direct questions, you know, well, how did what did Jesus mean when he said I'm the bread of life?
1: Yep. You
0: know. Yeah, how does that apply to your life? How did that change? Mm-hmm. Um, and,
3: and you can you send documents or um, review worksheet or something like that through Instagram? can. You can what
1: you can do is screenshot, yeah, screenshot and then post it, post it up so okay. that they can go back and see it. it, it yeah. be readable. Yes. Everything. Yeah, they can. So, I mean, make, check because phones, remember, the phone's going to be smaller than a tablet. So you want the print to be large enough that they can see it's not, I mean, they I can do this. but. I usually
0: drive an app, and I'll take a screenshot of what's on the app. Yeah. And it's a pretty good size, and you can share it that way.
1: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um. So I was thinking instead of take-home papers, you would post a update with two or three discussion starters to review what we learned in whatever class. today.
1: Yeah. Know. And part I would add as far as that dialogue um There's some of you guys are education people spiraling, which is you take a concept, you work on a new concept, but then you come back to the old concept, so you're constantly while you're learning, you're reviewing this is not a ask these questions, check box, move on to the next thing true discipleship is a constant going back, going back, going back revisiting, sharing the same story if you read the Deuteronomy 6 passage, he's sharing an old story, that was first generation this is second generation audience, and he's telling them a first generation story. And they're supposed to constantly go back. If you read Psalms, same thing. They're constantly going back to a first generation story to be reminded of why we do what we do. Um, and we, so we,
0: we want first generation faith, not second
1: generation faith. Absolutely. Because we see what happens in jo- after Joshua, and in the Judges, what happens with the third generation. Done. does not work. So, um, the idea of you know, traffic, you, it's safer if you invite somebody into your lane instead of trying to whip around them and let them come in behind you. It's easier just to kind of back off a little bit let them in. Personal invites still work based on research. So inviting parents into, the, into ministry or just inviting parents to be a part of what's going on, we have to do it on their turf. I have a friend in Gordon County that, by uh, gosh, has been showing him a lot of favor. The principal, he was a character coach and just was ministering to a group of football players. He got the weight room time, their strength training time. He could just come in and hang out with the students for an hour while they're lifting weights, carrying on conversations. Uh, He asked him a simple question, hey, could you help with this? He responded and was able to meet the need. And his ministry influences continued to grow, where now he's on some task force, some advisory boards that are public-educated advisory boards. And he was telling me yesterday, or Thursday, Uh, He's like, I was in a meeting with a group of churches, and the and the and they were the school was asking for help, and two of the churches said, "How much do you need?" They were gonna write a check. His church said, he said, "I don't have money, but I can give you help." And he said, he said, you could watch it. Everybody on the school side's chairs turned and went to him and said, "You can help." And they said, "Can you help with this? Can you help with?" And they just became enthralled with his church they got government money. They don't need our money. They need our time and our people. Um, so we need to be, get in their world so we can invite them to be a part of our, our life and it cross over and get messy. So, so as we're walking on traffic, a couple of things we want to pay attention to, people that are different than us, smart cars. I want to push one over. Clown. I don't know about you. But I just want to push one over. It's just. Not, I don't think I can, but I want to want to try. Uh, so there are people the worldview that's just radically different than we are. Again, that worldview dynamic. Um, we have gotta ex- just recognize that we live in a church, and if you've been in, I've been a Christian since I was 13 years old. Been in church life, seminary, church. That is my culture. I can speak a language that most people in a coffee shop in Starbucks would not understand. I have to be very cautious and mindful to listen to the conversations and the topics. L-B-G-T-Q-I-A-M-N-O-P-Q-R-S, right? I could go in very easily and go, that's a sin. You need to repent of your sin. Just like I could go in a church and say, we need to get rid of the macaroni and cheese and the pecan pie because that's a sin and it needs to go away. But, Because I was just talking to a lady about that with that muffin. I shouldn't have had that muffin, it was too good. Um, You know, there are certain things that we we do that we just kind of bypass, but, man, we'll jump all over that because that's not our problem. But biblically, what we're at as a culture now is we need to listen. We need to hear, why are you choosing that lifestyle? Why are you choosing to embrace that culture? Why do you think that's important? To be invited into the story, to be able to have a conversation, to lead them out of that toward redemption. Um, The other major target would be men. Um, if you get the guy the dad you get the whole family research has backed that up time and time again we're not we're, I respectfully say we're, we're a little too feminine in our church cultures um, if I asked this room to share their feelings half this room would embrace that then they have to go what's a feeling um, so we need to pay attention to that um, so being a good driver on this journey we need to continue to practice We've talked about some of this already so i'll I'll work through that the doing only six idea equipping parents to be okay to share their story some parents are like man if i share my story they'll repeat my mistakes i guarantee you they're going to repeat your mistakes anyway because it's not your story that's going to do it it's your environment and your heredity you've created an environment that even though you think you've hit it it's still there because you're just replicating the previous generation the only way to prevent it is to tell the story and to talk strategies, and to find resources, and to find help. So my youngest daughter has anxiety. I have anxiety. My dad had anxiety. I'm pretty sure my granddad did, even though we never talked about it. We didn't even know it existed in, this, in the early 30s and 40s. Um, but by talking to my daughter and equipping her with the truth, that I know it's a tummy ache, but it's not really a tummy ache. It's something else. So let's go talk. Let's go. I want you to go meet my friend Alice, who helped Daddy work through his tummy aches. And because he worked through his tummy aches and is a whole new person and a a, a better dad and a better human and a Christian and can manage and navigate his anxieties, she's empowered now to go manage and navigate those too. I'm not leaving her in a world of anxiety that could lead to faulty decisions to cope and try to overcome them on her own. She's able to find health strategies, healthy strategies for doing that. So empowering that. Taking advantage of life transitions, kids' first car, transitions from elementary to middle school, transitions from high school to college, um, marriage, first child, and the grander scheme of things. Those are all opportunities. And then um, as you walk along the road, or in our terminology, as you drive in the car. Dad, why are you going 59 and a 55? Because the cop won't pull me over. Those are teachable moments. Do I slow down? Do we talk about the gray areas? Do we talk about other gray areas? Does it have enough conversations? Um, those question and answers, we'll walk through some of those too that I'll give you. <clears throat> so uh, rather than telling them, we need to ask them. <clears throat> we do too much telling. Most teenagers have a anti-authority or fear of authority dynamic because it's the culture that we live in, they're taught authority is out to get you and to change you. Um, Most of us grew up in 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 an area of respect for authority and seeing authority as a protection and as a guard. This culture sees that differently. So asking and sharing wisdom as opposed to telling and giving information, that takes practice. I mean, my parents were authoritarian parenting style. They told me what to do. And if I didn't, there were consequences. Most of us probably grew up in that dynamic, you know, spankings and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I, I, we punish, but we've chosen to equip our kids um, and help them understand consequences and dominoes of impact. And then, if they don't, if they continue to follow through that, then there are consequences that we institute or the natural consequences of actions. Um, but we need active ways to learn together. Discipleship is a doing life together. As you are going, Great Commission, make disciples. Not just go, it's as you are going. Doing it together. Um, I would also encourage from a student perspective, start when they're in elementary school. They're very calm in elementary school. Get them while they're fresh. Because by the time they get to be, most, of, I have a parent of adolescent, they're tired by the time they're 14, 15. Get them while they're still excited about parenting. Still a little terrified, a little on edge. Um, start down there. Go co- coordinate with the children's ministry. Talk to parents. Hey, the decision you make as a 5- and 6- and 7-year-old child will impact what they do as a teenager. I'm just a dad, so forgive me for being a dad, but that's one of the reasons why I didn't do bikinis on my 2-year-old my and 3-year-olds. If you did, I'm not judging you. I just made a conscious choice because I knew... If she started when she was two or three and did it when she was eight nine she thinks she could still keep doing it when she was 16 17 and she's full figure and i'm pretty hot good looking guy so i knew my daughter was gonna be good looking so she can, um but i just knew i didn't want to go there and i understand the why they do the bikini thing um so we we went rash guards and tankinis instead so but my 15 year old completely bought in because she just there was no debate there was no going backwards she started when she was four she embraced it when she was eight so this year when she went shopping for her own bathing suit she was searching online she goes dad is this cool I didn't have to say no there was no fight so um so it started early um lastly uh being older makes this easier um don't worry, I'm turning 50. ARP will find me. Um, yeah, that will do. So just know that when you get older, some of you guys are younger, you're not a parent yet, this gets easier with age. It's intimidating being 22, 23, 24 years old, looking at a 45-year-old and going, hey, let me help you with your parenting. Not doing that. I'm, I'm a, I love your student so much. How can I help you? And let me, I think this is what God's word says. Let me give you some resources. Let me come alongside you. Your pastor really needs to be talking about this from the pulpit, the importance of this. He needs to be modeling it. I know that that would not be an easy conversation, so you might want to bring in somebody from the outside. If you need it, I'll be glad to help with that. Who can come in and say, these are what a biblical this is what a biblical parent, biblical discipler looks like. Um and we'll use scripture and research to back all that up. But if we don't model it, they're not going to do it. And we already know they're not built that way yet. We have to start working through, chipping away at an old, old process. Um, so uh, if you've got a QR code, you should be able to take a picture of that. And it should take you to the file that's got the folder for... Um, this PowerPoint, the PDF outline, it's got my notes in it, and it's got two documents for um, questions. Did it work? Yeah, I didn't even know I had a QR code. Boom! <laughs> I know QRs are so outdated, but it works. Yeah, it works. Awesome. So you can download those. Um, and that'll provide you. What those are, she, this lady did 50 questions just about life, how was life today? Um, I usually ask my question. I've asked my kids since they were old enough to talk, "What was your favorite part about today?" Thank you, Dora the Explorer. Um, but I got inspired by Dora. She does it. What was your favorite part? Um, I thought, you know what, I should be doing that every night with my kids to teach them thankfulness and gratitude, and that there are good things that go on in their life because they're going to live in a pessimistic culture that's going to tell them everything's going wrong in the world. Started that early uh, dinner table. We, we for a brief period of time, did an attitude of gratitude. Um, just what are we thankful for? Constantly being recognized and God's doing some really even in the hard times, God's doing some really cool things in our life. So there's 50 questions that she does just to help start that how was school? Fine. How can we move past that? Then she does 70 questions. Not of them are really questions some of them are just more statements, but there's 70 spiritual questions she also provided. Um, not endorsing her entirely because I did not do enough research to validate her as a as a expert, but I, I did get that from a lady, female Christian counselor that I do trust. Mm-hmm. She shared those initial questions. So um, I've got a couple more minutes. Um, did I accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, or is there something that I need to help cover for you that you really needed but didn't get?
4: You kind of touched on it a little bit. I mean, I'm 24, and my husband's 24, and he's over the youth ministry. Yeah. And so one thing that we've been thinking about as going into new school year is parents. I don't even know who the parents are. He grew up in the church and knows a lot of the people, and so we're okay. trying to invite them, you know, to serve with us for a event, you know, and different things. But obviously, like you said, we're 24. We don't have kids, much less teenagers. Right. I would never assume that I know what I'm talking about with raising teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so I guess practically, could you talk more about what it looks like to help
1: those parents? Yeah. So you're not going to come at it from a, I'm a parenting expert. Right. You're going to come out from, I was just a teenager. I'm a teenage expert. So let me tell you all the cultural things you need to know. Because they're not millennials. And that's a good that can, and I would tell them that's good news. Because okay. there were some negatives about Generation Z actually has some positives in it. So they might not even know Generation Z exists. Uh, they may still be thinking that term millennial. You just say that right there. They go, you're automatically more important than I thought you were because you're going to teach me something I didn't already know. Mm -hmm. And so they need to know what Apex is because they may only heard about Fortnite and the $3 million that kid won. But they need to know what Apex is because that's new. So there are certain things they need to be aware of that you are right in the middle of. Um, You're doing Snapchat probably more than they ever dreamed of. Um, but But if you are doing something that they're not familiar with, let me show you so that you can have a conversation with your kid about it. That could be in a formal meeting, could be a YouTube video. You just do a YouTube channel that just constantly puts information out to parents. So you're resourcing parents. And so from a marketing standpoint, we call that content marketing. You're constantly, you're just giving and not asking anything in turn to eventually do the ask. Let's so jab, jab, right hook it's what it's called from the guy that created that idea. But you're just constantly giving going, we just love you. We're just gonna give you all this free stuff. So eventually you come and go, hey, we love your department. Now they feel loyalty to you because the adults will still feel some sense of loyalty. That's pretty where I should start. But um,
2: just to share a resource, um, I post on the Georgia Department of Ed's family engagement uh, Twitter and Facebook every single day. And so one of the resources that has helped me as I have kids from 22 to 5, yeah. Um has helped, and I share it to our families who follow us is commonsensemedia.org okay. and they have what parents need to know about TikTok what parents need to know about Snapchat what parents need to know about all different apps what parents need to know about Fortnite they also have um, movies that are coming out and it's not coming from like a biblical standpoint but it's coming from just common sense Mm -hmm. standpoint there's also and it's by age so like um, high school or tweens or whatever and there's also books they review books like what's out now what's popular what you need to know about it before you say yes read this book yes watch this movie It's awesome it's a a great resource it's called mm commonsensemedia.org
1: and i wouldn't just give them the website i would give them web page every now and then throw a page yeah. in there and talk about it
2: mm-hmm. like pick just TikTok and then
3: or just and
1: whatever. here's how here's how i see an impact in our area
3: mm-hmm.
1: and in our i'm hearing our students are using it may not be their specifics to so here's some questions i would ask before and so you can think from a teenager's perspective because it wasn't that long ago what would i if i were the devilish teenager what would my parents need to ask me
3: mm-hmm.
1: to Start opening up about what's going on, because it's not give me your phone. It's, are you are you aware of this? What do, you, how are your friends using it? It's usually the question. You don't say what are you doing with it. It's like how are your friends using this? And usually you can backdoor them because they're not thinking about mom will never think I'm doing it. We'll just blame my friend. And the whole time we're going, you're doing the exact same thing. You learned it from your friend. So that's what. And then eventually over time, as you start having children and the student ministry transitions. For me, it was when the kid's birthday hits my graduation year of high school. I don't know what happened, but sometime around 1996 when I graduated high school, when the kids were starting to be born in 1996, I became an adult to my adults. Up until then, I was just a kid. But somewhere in that transition is when it hit, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. Um, So and then now in college, it's kind of that same dynamic. I had to bump it up a little bit. And they
4: do like us. At least the, the parents the interactions. do. Yeah. yeah. They have no problem with us. Most of them have watched my husband grow
1: up. That's the problem I'm, I'm concerned about. Right. is When so, will they let him grow up?
4: Yeah. And well, my concern would just be trying to tell them what to do because they yes. watched him grow up. Yeah, we're not going to
1: tell. We're going to ask right. or suggest. So see I, like, yes. yeah. I like what you said about it. That. that
4: helps me Thank And you. he'll make
1: some adult decisions and then they'll go, oh, he's more mature than I thought. Dress code is going to be a big part of that too. I hate to tell you that, but he's just going to have to dress adult. Even though he may like the skinny okay. jeans and the holy jeans and all that no, stuff, no, no, no. he'll have to dress adult.
0: <laughs> he's um, oh, then
1: he's gonna score. He, his teenagers <laughs> may not understand it, but his senior adults are gonna love it. Yeah. Um, showing it for work on time, communicating oh, yeah. well. Those are all little things that young adults that I teach my college kids are like, I know you don't wanna do this. You wanna be at the high school all the time. You're gonna spend office hours even though you don't wanna be there. You need to be there at 9 a.m. drinking coffee. You don't have to drink the coffee, but bring your sweet tea in or whatever and talk to the senior adults that are hanging out in church on Monday morning because sure. all they're doing is keeping tabs on you anyway. They just, you think they're coming to talk. No, they want to check
0: boxes. Yeah, to the senior adult ones, yeah?
1: Yeah, oh man, get the free food. Those roles are awesome. Learn how to play Skidbo um, and rummy Cube.
0: <laughs>
1: they wouldn't play Scrabble with me. The, the pastor emeritus' wife was like, play me in Scrabble. And she's like, I'm not playing you. You beat me. I'm like, okay. um, but I played Skidbo and all that fun stuff. Um. So I've got business cards. Um, if you would love to stay in touch with me, I would love to help you, be a resource for you. We are a Georgia Baptist institution, so we love our Georgia Baptist. Um, I've got d leaders. Students do D-NOW weekends. Um, so we, you tell us what your needs are. You don't want a new freshman, we won't send you freshmen. Um, if you need females, we've got females. We're 50-50 in our department of males and females. Um, so I'm really excited about the direction of where our department's going wish I could tell you I could give you a minister if you need a part-time youth minister, but we, 98% of our students are serving in a local church somewhere. So um, they're not just learning academics. They're living it out faithfully. And so we work on their spiritual health, too, through that process. We keep tabs on that. So anyway, here's my discard. If I can help you guys. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.